Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a stomp with a guest to take a little meander into their life. This week's episode is going to be different to our usual running order, as we are speaking to British gymnast Ellie Downey, who has a huge announcement to make, exclusive to the Stompcast. Today, we're going to hear Ellie's side of the story in her own words. You'll no doubt see this story across national news after the episode is aired. It's an honour and privilege to have Ellie on the podcast, which will always be a safe space for us to have these conversations. Ellie, thank you for choosing the Stompcast as the place you want to tell your story. Ellie, welcome to the Stompcast. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much for, for joining me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm ready for a good brisk walk. It's a, it's a chilly winter's day, but it's a nice one. And you come nice with very appropriate boots, that's for sure. <laughs> You're ready for any stomping occasion. I got caught out the other day um, in, in my very good stomping trainers, but managed to get them into a lovely bog. So um, oh I think that your boots are going to be safe yeah, no matter where you Yeah, I came prepared going. today. <laughs> well, we're walking in Batsy Park and we'll be very much sticking to the path. So I think... Uh, Hopefully we will be we'll be okay. Look, I want to start by saying I'm I'm, I'm hugely honoured, I'm privileged, and I'm blown away actually that that you wanted to have this conversation here uh, on on the Stompcast. You know, I'm so passionate about mental health, and anything that I can do to help try and raise awareness of that is hugely yeah. Im- important. You know, people I think admire you already, given everything that you've achieved in gymnastics. Um, at all sorts of different levels and um, you know people have followed your kind of journey I think and I hope this is a real opportunity for you in a safe space to kind of share your story share your side of things what also sharing I guess a bit of inspiration to others that might also need a lift in these times or maybe have experienced something similar or different but want to know how to approach it and what to do to look after themselves so yeah, I think firstly I'd just like to talk a little bit about your career because you have achieved so much. I mean, you're 23 years old and you've achieved more than almost is imaginable in many ways. So could we start off with that and just give us a little highlight reel of the things you're most proud of in your career? Um, yeah, so for me, I've been doing gymnastics basically my whole life. Um, so yeah, um, since I was about 12 or 14 years old, uh, I've been competing internationally. Um, and probably my highlights are making the Olympic Games in 2016. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, the competition didn't really go to plan there, actually, but the achievement in itself was Absolutely. just amazing to be there. And then probably I was a European all-around champion in 2017, which I was the first British woman to ever do it. Incredible. Um, so that was really cool. And then probably my world vault medal in 2019 again was the first british woman to ever do it um so yeah they're probably my highlights i'd say they're pretty good highlights <laughs> for those listening i mean I, I mean people are hugely aware of and, and what's really interesting is that i remember that palpable buzz around those competitions and the excitement um around you i think you know it was you know people were really thinking wow this this is this is incredible what you're achieving and you know the the confidence that people felt and i think you know gymnastics i think british sport has been having quite a upward movement yeah. you know we've kind of achieved a lot in the games and and, and so on i mean yeah. the thing is you know i i really enjoy watching and um i must say though it's quite terrifying just to watch so i don't know how <laughs> you, you have to have a, such a sense of composure and calm i guess especially in the big mm-hmm. stage because I, I mean i was speaking to max whitlock about this and i was saying you know the thing is that you know, when you're competing in that moment, it's not like a football match where you've got 90 minutes to no, get things yeah. right, you know, largely. I'm not taking away from footballers at all. <laughs> but it, you you kind of really do have 
a few shots, don't you? Okay, you've yeah. got a couple of runs at it. Yeah, that must be quite I think tough. that's the tough part because gymnastics, you have to train so much and for so mm. long from such a young age. And really you get like maximum a minute and a half on the stage and you have that one shot In and that's it. a minute and a half, it's yeah. oh my gosh. Um, and vault is even like 10 seconds. Like <laughs> it's like you do hours for Hundreds like of minutes. About, well, yeah. you, you know, you had so much for your life to kind of work towards that, that moment. I mean, what age were you when you started? I started when I was three. So I did three pre- years old. Yeah, you were three years old. I did preschool classes um, <laughs> when I was three. I'd hate to have seen what I was doing at three years old. <laughs> probably babbling in the corner. I have no idea. That's incredible. And three then, years old. yeah, I just continue from there. And I've literally been at the same gymnastics club ever since. So wow. And where did you train? Where is your? Where, uh, do you, where, do you, where did you grow up? Where's... So I'm based in Nottingham. Hmm. Um, so my gym's Notch Gymnastics Academy. And yeah, I got into it because my older sister did it. Hmm. And then. I guess my mum was just waiting for her between sessions. So she was like, yeah, I'll just put Ellie in there, see how she goes and kind of stuck. So you're a pretty talented family, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. (laughs) What age do you, I mean, do you remember at the age where kind of people were like, hey, this this kid's pretty good. I mean, like this kid's got something. I guess people always had their eye on me because of my older sister. Mm. Um, So I was probably not fast track, but I got put into the elite groups probably a little bit earlier on than some other girls did because yeah just because I did have the talent and I like to work hard and yeah it just it just never really stopped it just kind of stuck and it was just like kind of one thing after another like yeah what were your memories of those kind of early years and I guess partly yes um, competing things but what was it like what was the environment like was it an enjoyable did it was that a good time of life was it already pressure on um for me i felt it was very pressure on from the get-go um like i think it was just because they saw my potential but i was competing at national level when i was eight so and won my first national championships when i was like eight or nine that's hard to Um, comprehend eight or nine year old yeah like and i guess i never really thought about it until probably like the last year or so just like how intense it really was at such a young age and I mean, I don't regret any of it. It's made me who I am today, but it's also at the same time, was quite hard to have like a childhood because you were just so in the gym all Mm. the time. And it was very intense, like training wise, but then competitions when you did well, it was like, obviously, yeah, such a big celebration. But then it was like, yeah, have a day off and then you're back in the gym the next day. So it was very go, go, go and not much time to really celebrate your achievements because it was always on to the next thing. I see. So, so it's kind of like you've done that now. Great. Well done. Yeah. Let's go again. Yeah. So talk me through the kind of teenage years then, because there's clearly many points that you're really proud of. And you, I mean, you, you know, you've, you have, as we said at the start, and it's stating the obvious, as people might think, listening at home or on the stomps, you know, you've achieved so much, you know, talk me through that, that kind of headspace in that time, the kind of highs and lows of the teenage and then into the kind of 20s, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think, like I kind of said before, it was just so go, go, go. And like from one thing to another to another, you just didn't really have the time to almost sit and reflect and take a breather and think about where you want to go because it was just go, go, go. Like pretty much from 2014, like I said, I did the Junior Europeans, the Youth Olympics. Then the next year I was moving up to the senior ranks. 
So it was straight into my senior Europeans, straight into the world champs. Then it was the Olympics the next year. So straight into Olympic trials, straight into the Europeans and straight into the Olympic games. So, and that was all when I was like 16, 17. Yeah. So it was like- You're still, a, a, and respectfully, you're still a child. Yeah, you right? are. You and are still young at that age, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think like after the games, like my competition didn't go that well. It really put a fire in my belly and I was like, I want to come back and really prove what I should have done at the games because it should have been a super successful competition and unfortunately it just wasn't. Um, so I came back and just worked super, super hard. And then, like I said, won my 2017 all-around title. But then I had a pretty big ankle injury after that. I had, going into that Europeans, my ankle was a bit sore. And then following on, they were just like, oh, I think it's just like, a little bit of a niggle here and there, but probably best to have surgery and just get it repaired. So I was like, oh, okay. So spending the rest of the year rehabbing, missed the world champs. And I was like, it's okay, it's only one competition. Yeah. And then the following year, my foot was still giving me a lot of grief and pain. So then coming into the Commonwealth trials, I just didn't perform well and then didn't get selected. And that was quite a big blow for me. I've never really tried to go for a competition and not been selected. Okay. Um, so that was kind of one of the first times uh, and then ended up needing another ankle surgery. Basically, my foot had just healed really wrong, loads of scar tissue build up and just needed all clearing out. And then f end of that year, did the world champs again. Again, was kind of like a comeback competition. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to go out, perform well. Then following year was 2019, which was definitely my most successful year ever, probably. Um, went to the Europeans and finished on the podium for the all around again. Wow, wow. And that, that must that must be a year, especially going through all that and coming back from I'd imagine what's quite scary, like your your, your body is your everything, isn't it? Like yeah. you're, and you're kind of you have this operation, then it didn't quite come out as the way you thought it would you have mm -hmm. to go back almost kind of go backwards to go forwards and then yeah. to go that to go that far and achieve that. I mean that's Yeah, it was quite a nervous time for me I was a lot of questioning if my foot would ever get better because it was probably a good year and a half of ankle pain and so much actually so much mobility to even like just get to like a training session yeah. to like get it going and it was just like it was taking a toll it was tough um, especially like mentally as well like it wasn't easy like going in the gym every day and being in pain it was kind of like is it ever going to get better is it not um, but luckily I had a good team of physios behind me who like helped me get back. So and you had that some support around you in that sense. Yeah. So what was your kind of mental state at that time? And what was the kind of support like for you, you know, dealing with that? What is, sounds like quite a hard time at a still very young age. Yeah. Um, I think like when I didn't get selected for the Commonwealth Games, which was just before my second ankle surgery, it was a pretty low point. Um, I was just devastated, didn't get selected. And then obviously with my ankle not being good, I was like, what do I do now? And throughout my whole career, I got a lot of like weight issues. Like a lot of people would just get on at me about my weight. They would say I was like too heavy to be a gymnast. I was too muscly and all of this stuff. And ultimately they would always say I was getting injured because I was too heavy and which was really tough. And then basically when I needed this second ankle surgery, they were just like, you need to lose weight and it will get better. And I was like, wow. it won't, like wow, I wow. know there's something wrong with it. 
yeah, it's really tough, like, especially for gymnastics, it's a very aesthetic sport and you're in pretty revealing mm. clothes, like you're literally just in a leotard for us girls. So yeah, it was tough. I always felt pretty insecure about how I felt because I was always told that I wasn't a gymnast body type, okay. um, which was really tough. Um, especially because really I was always achieving pretty great things and yeah. I was still getting told like I didn't look the part. Yeah. So it was really tough for me. And then at this point in my career, I remember I sat down to my sister and said, I don't know if I want to carry on anymore because I'll just never look how I'm supposed to look. And I'll always get told that it's not good enough. Um, I like broke down on her and I was like, I don't really want to carry on if people don't stop nagging me about my weight because it's really tough. Um, and then my sister actually had a chat with one of the national coaches and expressed like how I was feeling, which was nice of her to do because I didn't feel like I could. Yeah. And um, after that, I didn't really get badgered for it anymore. Um, so you just spoke to the actual coaches itself to yeah. say this, this needs to kind of stop or yeah. this isn't right. Um, and then after that, like, they just kind of really laid off my weight. But then that was like a big turning point for me in, in that kind of scenario because I never really got weighed again after 2018. Okay. And like, it was just, I could do it for myself. Yeah. Like, instead of people being like, you need to go on this diet, you need to do this, you need to do this. And it was just like, I'd almost do the opposite. Like, you know, if someone tells you to do something, you're like, absolutely, no, I'm not doing it. But it always kind of made me like overeat in a way. Yeah. Did it affect your relationship with food and or your, your body as well? Did that, you know, did that have an effect on you, I guess? Um, I think it kind of, I notice it quite a lot now. Like if I'm sad, I want to eat. Um, and I feel like that's because I was always told I couldn't. So it's like, I'm going to do the thing that I got told that I shouldn't do. <laughs> um, so it's like an emotional kind of thing. Like some people like go to drink or drugs when they're very highly emotional. I turn to food. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it has given me a tough relationship with food at times. What does it so, do to the mental health of a young person when on one side, you're like, right, well, I'm all right, I've had this injury, but otherwise I'm smashing it, let's be frank. I'm doing really well. And then, but on the other side, you're being told, or, you know, you say, you say that people have been saying around you, you know, I, I've been told that I'm not the aesthetic or the body type that should be doing this. And, you know, you need to do, you need to lose weight. And what does that do to, to your mental health? Um, I guess it just, it just chips away at stuff like your self-confidence, makes you feel like you're not good enough. Um, which was a lot of that in my career. Even though I was successful, I felt like there was just kind of constant little, it, it was mainly the weight, like you can't do the amount of routines you want to because you're not light enough and you get injured because you're not light enough and all stuff like that when in reality, I just have a very different body type to a lot of gymnasts. And I think because in gymnastics, it was like everybody kind of should do the same thing to get these results. I was almost changing that because I just couldn't. Um, but that was really hard for me because it almost made me feel a little bit abnormal. <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm just not the right body type. But then on the other hand, I was so successful. So I was like, why would I not carry on? So yeah, it does. It definitely takes a toll on your mental health and just think, makes you think like, what am I, like, what am I doing wrong? Mm. So. Did it ever make you feel 
Did you ever feel really low with it, like dark with it? Did it affect it to that level? Um, yeah, probably the point in 2018 was the lowest point when I literally was saying, I don't want to carry on because people will not stop going on about my weight. And I'd had it literally since I was eight years old. Um, like we used to keep food diaries when we were kids, like to track what you were eating. And when you're eight, like I would have a Chinese on the weekend and tell my mum not to write that down because I was so worried about the reaction I could get the next day. And oh, gosh. it was and tough. You were how old then? Like eight. Jeez. Oh, that's, that's kind of like, I'm just as a bystander, that's, and it's actually, especially someone that would, what I do, yeah. it's quite alarming to be honest. Yeah. I don't, yeah. That is, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't kind of a little bit like shocked to hear that. To yeah. Honest. Like it was, it was hard. And like, even now, like when I think about, oh, like maybe I just want to like cut back a little bit. I have like such a fear of calorie counting and like writing down like what I'm eating. So I'm like, it almost just takes me back to like that time when it was like, yo, you're nervous to write down what you've ate, but yeah. it's really like, if you have a chocolate bar, so what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. And especially at that age when we're training so intensely, like you want to be encouraged yeah. to eat yeah, and absolutely. like replenish your body and get stronger instead of being like, no, don't eat and don't treat yourself and all that stuff. So. At this time, so the success around that time was huge. Things have taken a different turn between, you know, that, you know, 2018-ish and, and now. And it's kind of led to a point where we've had an independent inquiry into sport and gymnastic sport, which has found some quite shocking recommendations, actually, and findings. Yeah. I just wonder if you could kind of summarise what has happened between that time and then I guess we should well, we should talk about where you're at now. So yeah. what happened between then and here? So I think COVID was a massive part to play in it. It had gave people a lot of time to think, like, you know how I said gymnastics, just like, go, go, go. It was a very standstill time for obviously everybody. But for us, it was like, and all athletes, it was like, oh, what's next? And what do I actually want to do next? And so on, so on. And then it was kind of about the time where I don't know if you heard about the documentary Athlete A on yes. Netflix. Yeah. And that was all coming out about the American gymnast and the massive scandal and sexual abuse. And I think it just made people think like, like I don't think there was as much sexual abuse in British gymnastics as there was in America, but just like how we were kind of treated in gymnastics. And I think it just raised awareness and then people just started talking about it. And, coming out about their stories and stuff. And me and my sister decided to just do a statement and write about like, our experiences and so on, um, which I basically, all I mentioned was about weight issues. I had a nutritionist tell me to take pictures of myself in my underwear when I was 16. And wow. yeah. For, 16 years old. Yeah. Um, and I was on a training camp in Barcelona at the time like we all had our individual meetings and she just told me to do this in this meeting, but it was literally just me and her. So it was like, okay. And did and you then, know going into this meeting that you'd be asked to do that? No, she said it was to track progress yeah. for like progress pictures and yeah. stuff like that. And I came out of the meeting and went um, to my sister like, oh, did she tell you to do this as well? 
And then she was like, no. Um, like, I'm sure she's doing it for a good reason, but Becky did think it was strange. So then Becky told my mum when we got home from this training camp, and my mum was like, that's not acceptable. Um, so your mum, your mum, so you were 16, your mum didn't know that they'd asked, they were going to ask you or had asked you? No. Until you got back? Yeah. And um, you were away from home at this time? Yeah, we were in Barcelona um, on a training camp and my mum was like, that's not acceptable. So my mum emailed the nutritionist and like CC'd in my coach and stuff and they had a meeting and then basically the nutritionist just said, I was only trying to do it to benefit her and then mum was like, well, she's 16, it's not on. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what I mentioned in my statement. And then just some of the other, again, weight issues. Um, I got made fun of for coming into the gym with a, like I had in a little Ziploc bag, a bag of ibuprofen because I can't remember what it was for, some kind of injury. But my coach made a comment like, oh, they diet pills. And I was oh, wow. <laughs> like, basically this was just all that was in the statement. And um, wow. yeah, I just wanted to really like, just kind of spread awareness and like, I very made a clear point, like, this doesn't happen to me now. It did happen, and that's not okay, and we need to improve that. And like I said, from 2018, I didn't get weighed. I didn't get nagged about my weight. And the weight thing is a lot better in gymnastics now, but it still doesn't make it acceptable what mm. happened. Um, it sounds uh, like you whistle, You were whistleblowing at the time, saying this is what has been. Yeah. I guess you wanted to see changes. What yeah. was your, at that time, were you kind of like, I want to see changes, I want to move forward? Is that what you, like, where was your head at that point? Yeah, so this was just after the lockdown in 2020. I was very much training and still, like, working really hard in the gym. And my point was just to put my statement out. I wanted to see improvements, and we kind of move on from that and make it better. And unfortunately, that's not really the way it went for me, I think me and my sister both got penalised very hard um, for actually talking about it and we were the only people who were current gymnasts within the sport who actually spoke out um, and I think the big thing in gymnastics anyway has been everyone's been scared to speak and we did and I don't think that helped us in any way shape or form mm. I think it hindered us quite a lot um, which is sad <laughs> mm. but yeah that it needs to change and I think a lot of girls are still pretty scared to speak um, so yeah it needs to change. Yeah. So I guess within within gymnastics, what, what were people afraid of? So if, if, they, if people feel that there was a problem, what, what was the fear in saying, do you know what, there's something not right or can we address this? I think because you'd always kind of speak up and you'd either be told you're wrong or you wouldn't get listened to or sometimes get penalised for kind of speaking. Um, like in gymnastics, they really kind of liked people who just nodded and said yes and got along with their work and um, I think when me and my sister did the statement, they were just not happy that we were trying to fight back a little bit almost. Um, and I, I agree, it happens in a lot of sports, um, but gymnastics especially, I think it's very like, if you're the right person at the right time and they'll have you, um, kind of regardless of results sometimes. And I think from 2020 when we did that, it really hindered us going like into the Olympic prep um, like I think they were trying to do stuff to not kind of put us on the team. Um, they were making selection very, very difficult. In what way um, what were they? When you say penalising, what does that kind of mean? What do you mean by that? Um, they were kind of like chopping and changing trials as to when they were and when they weren't. So like our first trial was only meant to be a training camp and two weeks before we found out it was then a trial for the Olympic Games and we were like, we're not ready. Um, but yeah, I just think they were putting obstacles in our way. And then, for example, the last trial for the Olympics, 
Um, we normally always do them at our national centre and they just moved it to like a totally random sports hall in Wales, which was like, we're not used to this. And um, especially coming off the back of COVID, it was like mm. everything was kind of changing and they mm. weren't making the changes clear. Um, and then we both didn't get selected for the games, um, wow. which was tough. And for two of you, and you are the ones who spoke out, right? You and your sister spoke out about this at the time. Yeah. Listening to what you said, I mean, I'm hearing you saying that people were making jokes about, and I, I use the word jokes because you use that, um, around diet pills, mm -hmm. people making comment about weight, asking to take photos away from home at, at that age. I mean, it's pretty fair, I'd say, more than that given what they've said or the things that have happened, that you'd want to bring that up and you'd expect people to go, want to make changes. Yeah. Why? why I guess my question is, why didn't they? Why was it not like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry and yeah. let's find out what's going on, let's investigate, let's change? I think they thought it was like an attack on them, um, which it obviously it was, mm. but I think in gymnastics, a lot of people have very big egos and they can't, um, I don't know, really take criticism. They always think it's an attack. It's not like, right, you've done this bad, let's change it. Um, and they'd always just be like really defensive and deflective of it. Um, which I still think that's the case today. And I think it just massively affected me and my sister because we were the only two people that spoke out and consequently we're the only two people that didn't make the games. Mm. Um, Do you I think mean, it affected you two more than others? Do you think, did it feel like that was, oh, hang on, this is us that's getting this? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously everybody was in the same situation, but we were going into that like with a lot of kind of grief behind us and people just weren't really being very supportive. Um, like for me, I had a slight ankle injury at the time and I was having meetings saying, what competitions are the most important? What do I need to do here and there? And for me, they were just putting a lot of obstacles in my way. Uh, like I said, I had a bit of an ankle injury, so training was a bit tough. And they kind of said, if you don't have the vaults that you had at your world championships, then you probably won't get selected. And I think for me, they knew that I couldn't do that because I was struggling a little bit in the gym. I mean, all of this is in the context that you, it's not like you've just turned up to this. Aside from being, you know, reigning champions and so on, you know, you've put in since the age of three years old. It's not as if it's like you just turned up and gone, yeah. can I just, you know, kind of join in you guys? It's you've, yeah. you've given everything over a long period of time. Yeah, you? yeah, exactly. And I think for me, like my whole career, I've been very much helped try and be the person who I wanted to be. Mm. And it came to, this preparation for the games and it was very much like every obstacle they could possibly put in our way they were kind of doing it and that was tough one it wasn't what I was used to and two it was like are they doing this because we spoke out and they don't want us to be selected and it was just a really difficult time and me and Becky were the both um, reigning individual medalists um, so it was like you would think they would kind of want to try and help you be on that team. Whereas like um, the feeling I got was definitely that he didn't want us to be. And like I worked very closely with our physio and he'd always helped me and rehab me to get to where I needed to be. And there was a comment made by the national coach, David, who said, you should be careful working so closely with them. They've tried to take the organization down so they might try and take you down kind of thing. And it was like, I haven't tried to take the organization down. I've spoken about what has happened and I want to make it better. Like it wasn't an attack to 
try and take you down it was to make everything better but like i said it, it hindered us hugely and like i had a slight ankle injury going into these olympic trials and like i said the physio was working really well with me and i got to the last competition and i just i knew i wouldn't be able to put out the vaults that i needed to and after the first training session there i decided to pull out and that was honestly the most horrific experience I've ever had in my gymnastics career. Um, I pulled out of the competition, like I, my training was pretty bad. Um, I was struggling and I pulled out of the competition and then I sat on the bench and was obviously distraught yeah. because my Olympic dreams were over and not one person came over to me and spoke to me. No. Um, none of the national coaches, wow. like, absolutely nothing and this was we were in wales at the time and again away from home away from home and, and i a was a huge moment a where huge, was your mental state at that point like you know low very low um the whole week training for that olympic trial i was very very up and down because my ankle was pretty sore i knew i was going to struggle to perform these vaults in a random sports hall where i'd never been before mm. um and yeah, to pull out was gutting. It was really hard. And then to be ignored by coaches who I've worked with for years. Um, and when I mean years, like 10 years plus, some of them um, was super tough. And then I went back up to my room, sat there. I didn't actually cry that much. I felt pretty numb. <laughs> mm. And I was just like, um, do I go home? Do I stay? And then, so there's no one with you at this point? My coach was there. Right. And I was in a room with my sister, so my yeah. sister was around. And um, yeah, so I was like, do I go home? Do I stay? And then my coach was like, I'll let them know that you're going home. No one spoke to me before I went home. Like, I'm leaving an Olympic trial as one of wow. your top athletes. Wow. I've had no one come up to me be like, I'm so sorry, like, you've come to this decision mm. kind of thing. It was like, absolutely like nothing. a lonely place to be, doesn't it? Yeah, very lonely. And like, I guess it was just for me, I was like, what have I done to deserve being treated this horribly? Like we're humans, like just come up to us and approach us and be like, I'm sorry you've had to pull out or anything. It was just really, really tough. And then um, my boyfriend at the time actually came and picked me up all the way from Nottingham to where it was, bless him. Um, three hour journey. And then on the way home, I literally had the most devastating news of my life. My brother passed away very unexpectedly. Um, cardiac arrest, mm. playing cricket. He was 24, cricket. wasn't he? he was yes, 24. I'm so sorry. Um, and you obviously wow. know what it's like to lose a sibling. Yeah. It's absolutely heart-wrenching, heart especially when it comes out the blue like yeah. that. So. And things always hit you at the worst time as well, don't they? Yeah. So really had wow. zero time to process any of the Olympic trauma because obviously then that my brother passed and it was just like, and then, like I said, no one spoke to me before I left. I then get home and the next day I literally just get an email from them saying, sorry for your loss. And I emailed you to say sorry that your brother died. And I was like, wow, I've worked with these people for so long. And I got an email. <laughs> I was just like... How does that make you feel? Uh, I mean, just, I'm generally like taken aback by that. It just How... makes you feel 
pretty like worthless. Like, like you said, I've, I've worked my whole life and built up so many relationships or so I thought with these people. Um, and especially the national coach, David, like he really, really helped me get my world vault medal in 2019. We worked really closely together. So for him to then send me an email <laughs> when all this has happened, it was just a bit like, and to not speak to me after pulling out of an Olympic trialism. What's the yeah. reaction of people around you, you know, your family, your, your friends, your sister? Like, how, how do you even react to that? Are people shocked? Are they kind of grown to expect that? Or what's the reaction? <laughs> to be honest, it, it's really that we've grown to expect it. Like, like, obviously when I received the emails, I was like, wow. And then I was al almost at the same time like, did I expect anything less after how I've been treated the past year? Not really. Um, but it's almost like it annoys me because it like makes you feel worthless, but they're the ones doing the things wrong. Sure. And it's like, that has to change. And I'd almost seen it happen to so many girls throughout the sport of like the mistreatment, which leads them to leaving because they're like, I just can't do this anymore. And for me, I've always been pretty successful and mm. felt I was valued by mm. people like David, the national mm. coach. and. Um, other national coaches and it just made me feel like I wasn't mm. and yeah it, it was it was really tough but obviously the grief was all around my brother so Gosh. really coming to terms with all of it it's been pretty tough because yeah, it all kind of molded you when your into passed away? 21 it's just it's no there's no age that it's okay there's no age no. that it's thing but that's yeah, that's, that's, that's hell really, isn't it? That yeah, time. like you, you look back and you think, gosh, I can't believe all of that happened. Like, How did you survive through all of that at once? Everything, feeling so alone and that piled on top. How, do you, how did you get through that time? It was really tough. Like, so after all this, I took a month out of the gym, obviously had the funeral and stuff like that. And then I was like, do I carry on? Do I not? So then kind of got back into the gym Bear in mind, I'd, I'd heard almost nothing from British gymnastics at mm. this point, other than we had to have phone calls to tell us if we'd made the Olympic team or not. Obviously, I knew mine was a no because I pulled out. But other than that, was almost radio silence for three or four months. I didn't hear anything from anyone, um, which was absolutely shocking to me, considering what had happened. And then in probably like the October 2021, I was like, OK, I'll give this another go had meetings with people like David, the national coach, and some of the other staff within British Gymnastics, basically to try and help me get on my feet. Mm. But it was more of a case of me just trying to push aside everything that happened because I knew I've got to play the game now. I can't be vocal. I can't really speak my mind because it's not going to help me. That's how I felt. Were you afraid to speak out then? Was that, was that, is it scary when you say, right, this is what's happened before? Yeah. If I say something again, you must have been afraid of well, what happens now. Yeah, because ultimately I don't regret my decision to speak out, but sometimes I think if I didn't do it, would things have gone a lot different? Um, is that healthy? Is it healthy to have a situation where people don't feel they can say if there's something wrong? No. No, absolutely not. Like, you should be able to have a conversation with someone whether you think it's right or not, and then to not get so hung up about it and treat you in a bad way. Um, so yeah, I decided to give it another go. 
Um, unfortunately, I actually snapped my plan to play at the start of last year. So that put a bit of a spanner in the works. Um, but then probably from May last year, yeah. I was like, right, let's get back for this World Championships. Yeah. I feel like I can do it. Um, basically one last try to kind of get back on my feet. And this is last year? Yeah, last back end year. of last year, yes. so 2022. So yeah, I had an unfortunate injury at the start of last year, so then had to go for a bit of a rehab process again. Um, but then after that, I was like, right, I'm going to give it one last mm -hmm. push to try and get back on my feet. It's been the most rocky two years of my life. Um, so I was working super, super hard, and I was like, I'm going to put all these meetings in place because I'm not getting tripped up again. I yes. want to make sure I'm doing everything right and know what I need to do at these trials to get on to this team. So I probably had like three or four meetings, maybe like one every month up until the trials. Um, constant check-ins, basically. Um, they told me I had to come top three on the pieces I competed on to be selected. So I was like, all right, I know what I've got to do. Let's do it. And then there was a training session, probably maybe two weeks before, where my coach was off. So I had to go and work with David at the National Centre for a day. Um, had a really good session, but then at the end of the session, he sat me down and then said, how would you feel if you were reserved for the world champs? And I was confused. I was like, we haven't even trialed yet. So I was like, um, I wouldn't be happy about it, but yeah, kind of thing. Like, there's a bit of a weird question. And then he said, yeah, we just need to see how you fit this new team dynamic and how you fit in with the girls. And I was a bit like, again, I'm a very much a person. I sit there and take it and then reflect. Okay. So yeah. I didn't really react. So then I rang my coach and told her what he'd said. And she was pretty angry because again, he said it to me with no one around. It was just me and him, yeah. which is probably why he said it because if my coach was there, he wouldn't have said it. I don't think because she would have argued more than I would. Yeah. Um, so then took a few days to digest it and then the next week they told me to tell the performance director and i was like i don't want to because i don't want it to affect my chances of being selected okay. um and they were like okay i mentioned it in a meeting with um david and a couple of other um staff and he said i just wanted to make you aware of what was possible and I was like, well, I'm very aware. I've been in the sport mm. for a very long time. I know there's reserve mm. spots. Um, but then at this point, I then found out that they'd been, that we all have programs for like mm. training camps and stuff before the championships. And there'd been a program sent out to all the girls, but me. <laughs> so I was like, am I not selected before I've even tried? Because it's not a, not a good way to go into it, is no. it? mentally. Like you're trying to go into it with a positive no. thing. It doesn't feel like a positive environment, yeah. is it? So then for that two weeks of training before the comp, I was like pretty stressed. And every time like, I don't know, I'd fail a turn, I'd be like, well, what's the point? Am I even going? Because by the sounds of it, he's already not selected me. So I went to the trial um, and on the last day of the trials, there's two days of trials. Mm -hmm. um, but the last day of the trials, I won beam. Mm -hmm. I, w I came third on floor yeah. and second on vault. So I've like... So you had to be third or above. So you've, you've hit your minimum, you've hit your requirements. You were yeah. set. Okay, yeah. So I came out absolutely ecstatic with myself. Felt like I was back, felt happy, felt pretty positive that I was going to be selected. Yeah. 
So then selection gets told on Wednesday. We get told by email, yeah. by the way. Okay. And I'm a reserve. So I was like... Absolutely. Quite confusing, isn't it? Well, I was, I was gutted. I was like, well, I've done what you asked. Mm. Like, I don't really understand. Was there any communication at that point? It was just email, there wasn't a call or anything? Just there? email at that point, but then we had phone calls or Zoom calls the next day. Um, and for me, I just felt like, am I ever, am I ever going to make a team again? I don't feel like I am. I still feel like I'm being penalised yeah. for what happened, like, which would have been two years beforehand. And I was just like, my, I mean, my mental state after that was low. I had the Zoom call the next day. Describe to me, where, like, where was your mental state? Like, when you say it was low, what, what were you thinking? Like, where, I where just, I felt pretty worthless. What's, like, what's the point? And, like, just so... I don't know, just not me. I'm a very bubbly, chatty person and I just felt I had no energy. I was exhausted from all what felt like mental games constantly. Um, and then on the Zoom call the next day, David said I didn't have enough results compared to the other girls. Um, if you're going to say that, then you knew I'd been injured at the start of the year, so I couldn't possibly have had any more results than the other girls. But you only did what was in front, you, you only had that opportunity to Exactly. Impress, and you were told if you're third above, you would get it. Yeah, so if you knew I'd, well, everyone knew I didn't have enough results compared to the girls, the others, then why did you let me trial in the first place? So it's like constant, for me, it just felt like constant mental games. And it was like they were trying to wear me out mm. and, Ultimately, it, it did. And then I was just really low. I literally didn't get out of bed for like three days. I didn't train. Um, just felt like absolutely, like, I guess just a bit mentally battered. Like, I just didn't know what direction I was going to go in. My life felt really out of control. Like, they were ultimately in control of my life. Like, if they weren't going to ever select me for teams again then what was the point and it was like I felt like I'd be silly to even try again to try and make a team to put myself through all those mental games and mental stress when ultimately they're not gonna pick me and that's just really how I felt and then again I didn't train for a while I just felt like absolute rubbish I had no motivation I tried to go into the gym a couple times but every day I'd go in yeah. I'd cry, I'd be so upset, I'd be falling on everything just because my head was so scrambled. Um, and then the World Championships happened. Um, I actually decided to remove myself from the reserve spot because I didn't feel like it was going to benefit me in any way. I was really mentally low. I really wasn't going to be a good reserve for the mm. girls if I was not in a good yeah. headspace. So they gave it to someone else, um, which was also very frustrating for me because online I was getting a lot of backlash saying I was a not a good team player for not going to the camps, for not going to the world, when ultimately they put me in such a low position where I couldn't get out of bed for three days because yeah. I was so mentally like well, battered. Sounds, it sounds, I don't want to place anything on experience, but it sounds really as if you're really depressed at that time. I mean, yeah. in terms of what you can, I guess we can call it in, in, in lots of different ways, but if you're kind of, if you're really all, all over the place in that way and you, you can't get out of bed, you're, 
you're getting all this kind of hate online it must i mean it yeah, must be it was, so damaging to your mental health now it was yeah it really was and it was probably one of the lowest points i've ever experienced mm. and um i think the frustrating part for me is that i'd kind of since my brother had happened i've kept really quiet on social media because and impressed as well you don't yeah. go out kind of you know you're not someone that's gone out and done loads of interviews i'd imagine everyone wants to speak to the, you know from kind of national press and, and so on you know you're not someone that's out there you know throwing mud around or whatever it's not no. you know i was aware a couple of years ago of the kind of case and everything that was kind of said and then obviously independent inquiry it was but you really haven't said anything about this. And that must be hard yeah. because you're like, this is my story. Yeah. All this stuff's happened. People have their opinions as they always do. Mm -hmm. And you're not, you've not, you know, it must be very hard when you feel that your experience is very different to what other perception is. Yeah, I think I've, it's never really just been in my nature to kind of go to press and like out people like that. I've just always tried to, I'm, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So I've always just tried to keep quiet and do my job. But ultimately the narrative that's been um made out to be online is that i'm kind of the bad guy because mm. i didn't do the world championships prep camp and i didn't attend the world mm. championships and um they even pushed the narrative that i didn't go to the olympic games because my brother had passed away mm. which for all these wow. years i've just kept so quiet wow, because wow, i'm wow. like i don't want the grief that comes mm. with saying things on social media and stuff mm. like that because i know i've been very up and down with my mental health i just knew none of that was gonna help me in any way so i've just kept really quiet and until now really that i've decided to kind of share my story and share what's happened um but yeah so after the world championship i felt very deflated and very quite mentally broken that i would just never make a team again um which was really hard for me to like try and come to terms with. Um, and then kind of how I was exactly feeling, um, an email was brought to my attention. I wasn't actually included in this email, um, but it had been sent out to all the girls who kind of participated in the World Champs and they did an amazing job. Um, so it kind of started with like, congratulations to the girls, we've done an amazing job. And then further down the line, it kind of said like, um, we finally put the naysayers to rest um, and we've kind of like got our revenge as in like we've got revenge from all of the stuff that's kind of been said about mm. gymnastics. Um, so I saw this email, um, I wasn't included in it but I saw it um, and obviously that just consolidated mm. to me that it, that's exactly why I didn't get picked personally. Mm. Um, and was obviously it made me very very angry <laughs> and obviously upset and yeah I was just I was I was gobsmacked um but there was actually a follow-up email to that from the performance director mm. of British Gymnastics saying that that language used by David in that email was absolutely not acceptable okay. so I was very happy that that had been noted um but a national coach should not be sending out stuff like that when you're having girls who are brave enough to speak about their experience who are on the programme and you're pushing out emails like that, which is almost encouraging girls not to speak. Um, so yeah, it was also very frustrating and really upsetting and basically made me come to the decision that I'm retiring, um, wow. which is pretty heartbreaking mm -hmm. for me. 
Um, 23 years old. Yeah, 23 years old. Um, and been doing gymnastics since I was three. Um, so it's been my whole life. And I've just been mentally burnt out from everything that's kind of happened, um, which has ultimately led me to the decision. Um, not really um, felt like it was in my hands necessarily. Mm. Um, and I just didn't think it was fair for me to continue mm. um, and ultimately make my mental health worse. Like I was so unhappy mm. and just so not myself. Mm. Like I'm a very bubbly, chatty mm. person. And I was very almost mm. just bought into like a shell of myself and wow. which was really difficult. Mm. And it's been hard to try and get back to being happy. And yeah, um, ultimately has led me to retiring. Um, so yeah, it's been tough. I mean, what I've gathered from our conversation up to now is that you're 23, you're physically capable, you feel that your performance level, you can, you can perform to that level. Yeah. But mentally, because of everything that's happened to you, that's out of your hands, it's, it's kind of led you to this at 23 years old. Yeah. It's pretty heartbreaking to hear, to be honest. You know, you inspire so many people. There'd be so many people gutted. <laughs> this is not an easy decision, I'm guessing, at all. No, and I went backwards and forwards with it a lot. Um, like I tried to go back in the gym and kind of train and see if it would kind of make me feel like I could. And genuinely every day I just kind of felt like I couldn't um, mentally get my head back in the game because I was just so burnt out and I would get so upset and just kind of, it really does affect like how you train mm. as well. Like I was constantly going backwards and forwards, like, do I keep going, do I not? And yeah, it's been a really tough decision to make, mm. um, but ultimately I just know I needed to be happy mm. again and needed to find myself again um, because I was really mm. not myself. Um, so, yeah. I mean, look, I'll be honest, my reaction to what you're saying is that how have we got to the point where this incredible young woman with so much potential, has achieved so much already, got to the point where you basically have no option. Why has someone not made the changes? Why had the changes not been made for you in an environment for you to stay? I just have a lot of questions, I guess, yeah. why? I think the wrong person is in charge of like our national programme right now. Um, and like I remember I told him I was retiring um, in December and his reaction was very minimal. And I was <laughs> very disappointed and very hurt. Um, I got off the Zoom call and cried for about 30 minutes because wow. I was just gobsmacked. I think all he said was that, I'm sad that you're going um, and like, thank you for an amazing career. And that was kind of it. And it was just At like- 23? Yeah. And I was just like, you didn't even say like, is there anything? Did, I, any, did anyone say to you, pick up the phone and say, Ellie, how can we change this? Like, what can we do to make things better? Has that conversation happened? Um, I feel like they happened kind of at the end of last year, but like, I feel like in gymnastics, there's a lot of talk, but not enough doing. Like, I feel like there's a lot of meetings that kind of go on that um, um, are there to try and create the change. And we do all these exercises and like, just put our points across what yeah. could be better. Um, but then personally, I don't <laughs> see that change or if the change happens, it happens for maybe a month or two, but then it falls off and it doesn't continue, um, which, ultimately isn't good and I feel like when I told um, David that I was retiring there wasn't much of a reaction um, which was really hard and I actually told the performance director before I told David because I didn't want to tell him myself really because I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to get a reaction from him mm. or him even trying to persuade me to stay mm. or anything like that mm. um, 
So I told her first and she did say like, is there anything we could do to change your mm. decision? And I said, no, because too much damage had been done. Mm. Like I couldn't really, I couldn't, I couldn't really mm. work with mm. David again after all the stuff that he kind of done. And I think what's the hardest thing for me is that we, we actually used to have a really close relationship mm. like 2019 into 2020. We worked very closely together a lot. And personally for me after the, um, all the findings of gymnastics and me speaking out, I feel like his opinion just massively changed of me. And I don't think he wanted me mm. very much a part of the programme. And I've actually asked him the questions before and he said, no, that's not true. But to me, actions speak louder than words mm. and his actions weren't matching what he was mm. saying. So yeah, um, this led me to this decision. Mm. First one, and thank you for being so brave and thank you for your, your kind of openness what what do you want to happen like what what is what is the outcome you'd like to see from from this i just like everyone to be able to speak up when they have a problem and not be scared because as as much as british gymnastics are trying to change it's not happening mm. fast enough really um and i know that some people still are not very comfortable to speak because they are worried about the repercussions of it and um, yeah, it, it really does need to change and they can't really be um, hindering or having this impact on people's mental health because it's not fair. Um, your mental health's got to last you for life, not just as a gymnast yeah, and then right. nothing afterwards. Um, and I don't think they realise that. Um, it's getting better, but it's definitely not good enough. And for me to have got to this point, I think it's quite shocking. Like I've literally been one of the top gymnasts um, for a very long time. Absolutely. And yeah, just never really thought it'd happen to me really. Cause mm. I've seen it happen to others. Um, but yeah, didn't think it'd happen mm. to me, which is a bit of a shame, so. Do you think that change will happen? Do you think, do you think things will change? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, it's gonna take a lot and Personally, for me, it's going to take them to have another national coach in charge before they see that change, mm. because ultimately they're employing people around to kind of help David with mm. this national coach job. But ultimately, he makes the decisions at the end of the day. So unless someone else comes into play, I don't think it will change, which is why I'm stepping away, because I don't know if that will change, uh, whether he will stay or not. And um, ultimately, I couldn't really continue working with him because it just wasn't good for me so sure, sure. and and what's the what's the next steps for you now you've got your whole life ahead of you but like you've dedicated so much of it literally from three years old to now what is the next step what do you go what do you do next um i think like for the past couple of months i've really just been trying to find myself again and find myself being happy mm. um i'm actually a qualified personal trainer so i'm kind of stepping into that field and i really kind of want to push forward that it's so good for your mental health mm. um because for me, really, the past few months going to the gym has ultimately kind of saved me. It's given me a purpose in my day. It's given me structure. Um, it's made me feel good. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of um, what I'm working towards. And, um, yeah. And how are you at the moment? Because this is not this kind of, this, I mean, I don't know how to put it into words. It, it can't have been easy. I mean, that's, you know, geez, how can you, how do you kind of capture that? But how, how have you been? How is your state of mental health um, now? At the minute, I go up and down. Um, I'm a lot, lot happier than I was a few months ago. Um, but yeah, it's very strange trying, trying to adjust to mm. a non-gymnastics life mm. and ultimately trying to find myself. Like my purpose has been, 
I'm a gymnast for so long and to just go in the gym and better myself and mm. um, work on myself all the time mm. and just constantly striving for competitions and medals and stuff like that. So yeah, just really trying to find myself and um, trying mm. to be happy. Mm. And yeah, it's been tough. It's, it's very strange. Um, like almost, like I said, you've been a gymnast your whole life, like really trying to find out what you want to do next mm. is um, pretty tough and yeah. Yeah, it must be. It must be. I mean, I think you're incredibly brave. I think one of the things that struck me is that when you wanted to speak on the Stompcast about this is, well, you know, any news channel on TV, any uh, paper would want to, to speak to you. And I think it says a lot about you that you want to do it in this kind of way to explain your story. It's not mudslinging. It's not how much damage you could do. It doesn't feel like that to me. You yeah. just kind of want to explain what's happened. And it sounds like yeah. you want a constructive outcome is that is that what you're trying to achieve yeah definitely like my intention was not to kind of go to any mainstream kind of um way to do this like i didn't want it to be like a short burst of a story i wanted to explain it in depth and i want to try and make a change and emphasize how much it can affect your mental health and i don't think people realize do you think there's a role to play for people outside of the sport you know because you know i'm not involved in gymnastics clearly we have this platform here but how can how can we help broadly because like we all you know i'm youth mental health ambassador i care about the mental health of young people and i think a lot of people listening will be thinking gosh like how did this happen but also how do we stop it happening again yeah. what can people do is there something that we can do mm -hmm. i feel like it we, all, we really need to be like very proactive like i feel especially in gymnastics like everyone really tries to suppress their emotions and just try and block it out mm. and continue and not to like force seeing a psychologist on mm. people but to really have like regular check-ins um and it doesn't mean like it has to be an hour long it could be like 10 minutes or doesn't have to be like a massive kind of thing but yeah just to have regular check-ins mm. and just to um, put that into play mm. like pretty early on because mm. Like, like I said, it's, you start from such a young age, you've got school to tackle with, you've got um, having your social life to tackle with, you've got being a gymnast to tackle with, family time, like everything. Like, it really, I feel like it's like, um, <sighs> trying to get my words no, out no, now. No, it's fine. You do <laughs> Was it like a pressure cooker? Yeah, it's like kind a, of like a, it's, it kind of boils But it sounds up. like a, pre a pressure, pressurised environment. Yeah. It's just like there's like a, a steam cooker pressurised. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah it's like it all was kind of waiting to boil up and almost explode but like the pressure's um, got to come out somewhere yeah right? and it will come out at some point or another because you constantly have so much on your plate like you really do and um yeah i just think we need to try and put it in early and prevent it mm. to be a regular would you, would, would you be a judged i mean if you went to see the psychologist would that raise questions would people be like oh are they, yeah. are they, are they hang on why do they need us are they struggling yeah. is that is that do you feel like people would be like oh fair enough they're going in to kind of build you know develop i mean there's very much evidence around you know actually uh, working on your mental state, mental approach to things to actually build your kind mm -hmm. of cognitive performance. But is that how it's taken or is it seen as, oh, it's um, a weakness you're going there? I always felt like it was seen as a bit of a weakness. Mm. Um, but like, as I got older, I just kind of, kind of blocked that out and was like, if I need to go see them, like, that's what I need to do to better myself. Um, but a lot of the time it was kind of like, oh, you don't need to see the psychologist kind of thing. Um, especially when I was younger. Um, so yeah, I think it just needs to be not so um, like a thing, if that makes sense. Like everyone makes it a thing that you're going to see the psychologist. Um, and even if it's just for like a chat, mm. like it doesn't need to be so much of a thing. Like mm. just like you go see a physio mm. to fix your ankle, 
that's not a thing. Yeah. Like you just go and you do yeah, it because sure. that's what you need to do to perform. That's also, you also need to see a sure. psychologist to perform better and keep your mental health in check. Um, it just doesn't need to be um, labelled as such a big deal. Mm. For you to retire from top level gymnastics at 23 years old, as someone who I think would spend a long time winning a lot of different things, mm -hmm. it strikes me that someone that spent from the age of three years old in something that they would know, have given their life to, it's not an overnight decision, I'd imagine, to retire at 23 years old. How long has this been in the making? Yeah, I think it's just um, over the past pretty much three years mm. now, it's just really been um, bubbling up, like uh, the constant mental stress and pressure um, and just really how kind of low I've been. It's just not really been easy, like um, pretty much started from like when all the gymnastics abuse was coming out um, it's been really really tough and I've been very up and down um, for pretty much three years um, so it wasn't a kind of easy thing mm. to come to um, yeah it took a lot of thought but ultimately I just really really wasn't happy mm. and happiness is my priority in life and I think really like even after my brother passed it really made me flip a switch in my head like I, I have to be happy um, because life is too short and um, you just can't keep going if you're unhappy and it's ultimately really hard to get up every single day when you're that unhappy and you're that stressed and you're in such high pressured environments all the time and you're not feeling like you're valued or respected or mm. anything like that it's just very very difficult um, so yeah did, well, you, did you, you kind of hinted at it a little bit did, was it the point where you're struggling to get out of bed was it that bad how bad was it yeah, I just knew, I think it was like, I was struggling to get out of bed and then really like, I know the week after we went to um, a national camp and I was there and I was just looking around at everyone and I was just like, this, the high pressure is too much for me now. I can't, I can't the, me the mental capacity you need to be in this environment mm. to almost be a bit fake because no one's really that nice to you. Like you have to just put on this front all the time and just um, pretend like you're happy 24 seven. And I was so unhappy, like, and they ultimately did that to me and I just couldn't really keep going like that anymore. Um, so yeah, that, that's really what drove me to, to the decision, mm. like my happiness ultimately. Mm. The, probably my lowest point was I actually, I started therapy um, in November and kind of just sitting down and telling someone everything that happened was really, really tough for me. Like I actually didn't think it would be mm. that tough. Cause I, I kind of, I do talk about it mm. to like my friends and family mm. and stuff, but kind of telling a stranger yeah. everything. Like I was really shaky when mm. I was saying it and I was just really nervous and mm. then kind of um, got off um, the Zoom and I was just like, I think I just cried for a very long time um, and I didn't really know what to do with myself. And I was like, um, do you know what? Go to the gym, put your headphones on, do a workout, like just try and zone out of like all the thoughts in your head. And I remember I was driving to the gym. I was still crying. I was still pretty upset, pulled up to the gym. I was like, I can't get out of the car. Mm. And I just sat there and cried some more. And I just, I couldn't, like the emotion couldn't stop coming out of me. Mm. And I just felt like broken, like, mm. I just didn't know what to do really. And I didn't want to do anything, but all the, I just wanted the noise to stop in my head. It was too much. Wow. I, like, I couldn't think, I couldn't like wow. calm myself down. Um, yeah, so I rang my dad um, 
and I just rang him then he was like are you okay you sound like you're crying like, I don't actually ring my dad off them like I only ring him like if I mm. kind of really need something <laughs> um, but I didn't know who to ring um, and I thought he'd just be the one who'd kind of listen to me and understand me the most my mum was away on a holiday so I didn't ring her um, and then he was like are you okay and I was like no like I, I can't stop crying like I've just had my first therapy mm. session I'm like so emotional I can't like mm. calm down and he was like, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm in the car um, at the gym, but I can't get out. Like, I can go to my yeah. session. Like, I'm just so emotional. And then he was like, oh, okay, stay there and I'll come meet you. And then we just sat in the car and had a talk mm. and just tried to calm me down, really. And he, he was pretty gutted to see me like that, yeah. obviously. It's hard to um, see someone like that, isn't it? It's hard. Yeah. And he was like, he kind of asked, like, would I have gone to therapy? Um, like, why have I gone, really? And I was like, well, it's because of all the gymnastics stuff that's gone on, really. Like, um, and then he was like, oh, it's nothing really to do with like Josh mm. passing. And I was like, no, like, I genuinely wouldn't have gone for that because no one can really change how I feel about that. Like, it's really just all the gymnastics stuff that has happened to me. Like, I just couldn't really fathom why it had happened and what I'd done to deserve it. And I just felt really confused and just couldn't. I don't know, I just really couldn't understand it. And I just felt like, not like, I didn't feel like I was a bad person, but I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't know why it happened to me. And Was that was that therapy that you were offered by the gymnastics or did you go for that yourself? No, I, I was offered it through yeah. gymnastics and um, that's the one good thing um, that they've offered me. And mm. since I've told them that I'm retiring, they have said I can continue having the support. Yes. Um, so is there anything that would change your mind at this point or is this this decision is made you made this decision i know I, but is it yeah. is it kind of like focus on your life now is that the yeah feeling? yeah i just like i said kind of before i just needed to get a grip yes. of my life like i can't have my whole life i've kind of had people making decisions for me and almost not sometimes not been able to think for myself um and really now, like, I feel a lot more settled that I'm kind of making my own decisions. I'm in control and, like, I control my happiness now. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good feeling for me. It makes me feel good. And, yeah, it's my decision's pretty set in stone. I don't think anything could really change yeah. it now. Um, and, yeah, I just want to help make a change and make things better for future gymnasts, uh, people in general, for mental health. And yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm incredibly inspired by a story and I think so many people will be moved. I think people will be upset, people will be angry, but I think they'll also be inspired by you as a person. I guess my final question as we close um, this stomp is, you know, what would you say to other young boys, young girls, young men or women who maybe aren't in the exact situation you're in in terms of sport even, but in a situation where they're not happy, where like things going on around them are making them happy, but the, the decision's scary because it is a big decision. Yeah. And often those big decisions of changing, it's like, well, am I going to be happier doing that? Is that a better decision? What would you say to those people? Um, I think life can be really scary sometimes. There's a lot of uncertainty, but to always keep talking to people is a massive thing. Like I genuinely put off therapy for a long, long time because I was just not sure if it would help but just take a leap and try and if it doesn't and it doesn't yeah. um and for pe other people struggling with their mental health like genuinely fitness is just such a good thing to get involved in like you never come out of the gym feeling like oh wish i hadn't done that yeah, workout absolutely. and it doesn't make me feel didn't make me feel good um yeah 
And so. That's an incredible message. And, and finally, to the kind of decision makers that be, uh, what would be your overriding message? And, you know, in a positive sense, like what, what, can, what do we need to do really in a nutshell to make this better in the future? Um, I think just to communicate better with people, I think that's a massive thing. Um, there's been a serious lack of communication um, for the last few years of me in the sport and a lack of care for the athlete, i.e. me. Um, so yeah, communication is massive and to treat people like people yeah, <laughs> because think. ultimately that's not what's happened. And maybe to be kind. I know that's yeah. a cliche thing, but it feels yeah. like something we all have to remember. Well, I just want to say yeah. the biggest thank you for your bravery, your honesty, for sharing uh, you know, your story here. And um, you know, really, I hope, and I know people will be so inspired by you and I hope that we see the changes that need to be made and I, I just like to say I don't think it's just in sport I think there's so many spheres and um, situations that I think um, the pressure of performance and pushing people to do certain things kind of comes at the detriment of mental health and I think yeah. it's actually a kind of a na nationwide thing that we need to focus on but you know I mean it's very very clear at top level sport there's you know, we need to look at what's going on. Is yeah. there a problem? What do we do? You know, mm -hmm. so thank you so much. And no, thank you for really having me. Really appreciate your time. It. it is a beautiful uh, day here on, on the Sumpcast. I hope everyone has appreciated, and I know they will have appreciated uh, you sharing. Thank you to everyone that's listening. You know, I think you've heard a little bit of how you can support. And I think it's raising awareness is the biggest thing, isn't it? You can't change any something if you're not aware of the problem. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank um, you for It's having a huge me. appreciation. And uh, everyone... Look after yourselves. I know this will have hit home with a lot of people. Take care of yourselves. We're going to leave some um, support links in the show notes uh, below um, for people that might have been affected by some of the conversations we've had uh, in this episode. Huge thanks and goodbye.